A Look Within podcast is brought to you by the South Carolina Department of Mental Health, a healthcare organization providing innovative mental health and wellness services across all of South Carolina. Learn more about our services and resources at www.scdmh.net. In this episode, we discuss the topic of suicide, suicide prevention, and important new resources with Jennifer Piver, the Executive Director of Mental Health America of Greenville County in South Carolina, and with Jennifer Butler, the Program Director of the South Carolina Department of Mental Health's Office of Emergency Services. Ms. Piver is certified by the American Association of Suicidology and has been working with several suicide prevention efforts for over 22 years. Ms. Butler has over 24 years specializing in suicide prevention and she's served as the South Carolina Chapter President of the American Foundations for Suicide Prevention up until January of 2022. She continues to serve as an American Foundation for Suicide Prevention Field Ambassador and on the Foundation's Public Policy Council. Both Jennifers have been instrumental in the development and launch of the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. What follows is our conversation about what we all need to know about suicide and suicide prevention with further details about the 988 Suicide and Crisis Line as a critical resource for you and me. So I've heard about uh, this 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, and I was hoping you both could, could tell us a bit more about it. Well, the 988 Suicide and Crisis Line is really the same service that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline has been offering for decades. But it's a simple three-digit phone number now that people can call to access that service where there's someone who's compassionate, who can listen and help talk people through their crisis, connect them to great resources like mobile crisis and crisis stabilization units, and really a safe place to talk. Yeah. And, you know, Uh, Advocates for mental health and suicide prevention for the last 10 to 15 years have been advocating in Washington for this three-digit number. Make it easy for people to reach out. And in 2020, Congress passed the law uh, naming 988 um, as the new number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, now known as the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. And so 988 is a promise to, uh, to each of us that there'll be someone on the other end of the phone, that if someone needs to come to you, that services will be located in your state to do that. That if you need a safe place to go to heal and recover, that that place will be there for you. So when I think of 988, it's more than just a number. It is that promise of hope. And and so essentially um, anyone across the country, if I'm correct, can, can just dial 988 and, and they would be able to talk to somebody related to suicide in some way, shape, or form um, to get some help and guidance. And does it have to be, would it be somebody who is only in crisis themselves, or could it be somebody who's a concerned friend, family member, or whatever, who could also call that number? Really, it's there for anyone. And We look at it as a prevention service in that you don't have to just be suicidal. If you're having thoughts of just just emotional distress and um, anxiety and frustration about life, 
that talking through it can give people um, that a coping skill and remind them of their other coping skills that sometimes you forget when you're frustrated and upset. And we look at that as a prevention. So it's there for any kind of discussion or distress. But to your point, it absolutely is a connection for um, the loved ones who are concerned about someone who's suicidal or um, experiencing uh, symptoms related to their mental health or substance use or needs resource. So we can be a bridge coming from both directions. Interesting. And so let's say I'm a, let's say my parents and, uh, and I have a child, maybe they're a teenager and um, all of a sudden they're, they started talking about, you know, I got to hate my life, uh, making statements like that. And then, and then maybe it progresses where, you know, I wish I were dead. And, and now I'm sort of this parent who's I'm just, I don't have any control. I'm completely um, anxious about what's going on. So I call that number. I call 988. What could, I mean, what would that look like? What could I expect um, on the other end of the line? So the first thing that you would hear is a message that says, if you speak Spanish, you can press um, two. And if you're a veteran, you can press one. And then it'll let you know just to wait on the line. And it'll route you to the center that's closest to your, um, or that's within your area code. And so that's just a little bit about how you get to us. But the first thing that folks will experience is just being asked if there's anything they want to talk about and they can explain what's going on. We'll talk and assess for suicide and homicide. We'll do some education, trying to understand um, the level of crisis their loved one may be in and definitely educate them about the resources and share mobile crisis or crisis stabilization units with them and get them connected immediately to the clinical support that they may need in that um, moment. Yeah, boy, that's a, such a great resource. And, and is there a fee associated with it in terms of using the service? No, it's uh, completely free. Great. To There's know. no cost at all. And we provide support, follow-up phone calls after, and really just try to wrap folks around with care until they can get into services that provide that longer term um, clinical support or treatment that that might be needed. Okay. And then I just have a sort of, somebody had asked me the other day when they knew we were, we were going to talk about this is like, who are these, the folks that are on the other end of the line? Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about them? These are caring, um, uh, ideally South Carolinians. Our goal is to answer 100% of South Carolina's calls in our state um, who are trained in suicide prevention techniques and interventions, as well as folks who understand their resources here in our state to be able to link you to the care you need, when you need it, and how you need it. Okay, great, to, great to know. So, so thanks for that information. And we will bring that up again with the 988 suicide and crisis lifeline again before we end here because that is so important and I want people out there in the community to know it exists and is available to them but let's talk about just the the topic of suicide now Um, I I hear so much about it especially over the last couple of years because of some of these additional stressors the pandemic um, you know social situations all kinds of things and and it just seems like people are, are quite overwhelmed and this issue of suicide seems to be 
an increasing problem. Is, is it an increasing problem or is it just sort of my, my view of what I, maybe I'm hearing and it's an illusion? Tell me a bit more about that. I think, you know, there are pockets of our state where it has gone down in the last couple of years. All of our data regarding how many individuals are dying by suicide is about two years behind. But when we look at the real-time data of the number of people calling the 988 crisis line, when we look at the number of people going into an emergency room in South Carolina um, with thoughts of self-harm or having acted on those thoughts, or we look at the folks who are reaching out to the crisis text line, we are seeing a higher number. Um, And so that is an indicator of distress right now. However, I think it's also an indicator of because we're having this conversation more, people are reaching out more. And so that's a good thing. It does say people are hurting, but it also says they're learning that when you call, somebody's going to be there. And so it's, it's good to call that you're not alone. And so I think it's important to note both sides of that. Interesting. Is that a, is that sort of stigma related where it looks like maybe that we're making some inroads there where more and more people are talking about it and talking about it more frankly rather than sort of couching it in other types of language or? Absolutely. I think if you had even looked, what, three or four years ago, you you were we were beating down the doors, getting people to let us talk about suicide prevention, <laughs> much less mention the word. And there were places like faith communities where you couldn't talk about this, you know, certain cultural communities where you couldn't talk about this. And now we have people pouring out uh, requests to say, please come share information, share resources. Our communities are hurting. Um, And so it really has been that culture shift. What about just um, thinking about just treatment? intervention strategies uh, at at multiple levels. I know, um, Jennifer Butler, I've heard you talk about sort of, you know, the different levels of intervention strategies at more of a community level versus individual level, all those sorts of things. You know, in today's day and age, what are we seeing um, with regards to treatment for, for suicide prevention and care? I think, you know, to your point about individual and community level, we can all do something. We all have a role to play in in preventing suicide, but more importantly, in improving the quality of life for our fellow um, South Carolinian, our family, our friends, our coworkers. So checking in on people, that's one of the things that you can do with 988. If you're worried about someone and you're not sure you know, how to approach things, reach out and and have those conversations about how do I do this? I am concerned about this individual hosting trainings in your community is an intervention because it allows people to think, to know that you are willing to have the conversation if they're struggling. And then I'm really proud to say South Carolina has more mental health resources than we've ever had. You can call someone, you can text someone, you can chat online with them, you can take a screener, you can come in person, we can come to you. There's telehealth. There's, um, we started with a state who had really great evidence-based practice with suicide prevention and, and one or two evidence-based therapies to now over five evidence-based practices. Um, that the Department of Mental Health is able to provide to ca- provide to anyone in our care, as well as we've reached out and we've trained our community providers so that you have school counselors who have received this evidence-based practice. Mm-hmm. You have uh, EAP counselors or 
faith leaders who have received- What are EAP counselors, Jennifer? The employee assistance uh, program counselors, yes. So that- the workforce, gotcha. um, Any type of uh, business who has an arrangement where they can provide employee counseling for their folks. So really, we've really worked hard in the last two years to build an infrastructure of excellence so that there isn't a wrong door. Wherever you go for care, someone is going to be able to provide you the best care possible. So if we're talking about going to seek care, and obviously the 988 line um, can help you know, point you in the right direction. But if, if I'm uh, a parent, again, as using that as an example, what are some of the, you mentioned evidence-based therapies. What are some of the things that I should be looking for to make sure that um, I have my child or loved one or myself in the right place? I think you can look, you know, one, some of those therapies that I'm speaking about are the dialectical behavior therapy, DBT, or cognitive behavioral therapy that's very specific for suicide prevention um, and depression care for children, for parents and with kids, there's an attachment-based family therapy um, that is focused solely on suicide prevention. So asking those questions, asking what the training of the clinicians are, where they got trained, um, and what type of services they provide within that modality. Um, I think, you know, the other thing to remember is that Unfortunately, in some of our parts of the country and in our own state and rural communities, you may not have access readily available in your town. It might be one town over or two towns over. But if you have a caring, compassionate counselor, um, we know that if one with the, the love and care from one person, one protective factor can erase four risk factors in a person's life can help them get through. So remember that too. Even if you don't have ready access to that evidence-based care, seek out someone that is caring and supportive and knowledgeable about suicide. Are there differences uh, in terms of if it's a, a young child versus an adolescent versus an adult in terms of the way to approach somebody who's, who's at risk? I think the important thing to remember is you can have a conversation with anyone and we should have a conversation with anyone. I have an 11 year old and a 21 year old for their entire lives. I've talked about feelings and emotions um, on a, on the age appropriate level. So we all do fire drills at work or we do weather drills Um, Even in your own house, you might do a fire drill of if our house catches on fire, here's the door we're going to go to get low to the ground, nobody left in the house, then we get outside and we call this 911 for help. Well, we have to start with our kids start that conversation young of what do we do if there's an emotional fire in the house. Have 988 on your refrigerator, just like you have 911. Have on your refrigerator, no family member left behind if we're hurting. Um, And have those conversations and say, we're in this together. It's okay if you make this phone call. For, For an adolescent, maybe you say to them, if you feel like you need to talk to them without me, reach out and text 988 or chat with them or make the phone call or let's do this together. And then as certainly as adults, Um, making sure that we talk about that this is a human condition 
It's not a failing, it's not a character flaw, it is a human condition that we all um, can experience on any given day. The South Carolina Department of Mental Health is celebrating its 200 year anniversary, offering mental health services for children, families, and adults. SCDMH is one of the first states in the country to provide mental health services. Learn more at www.scdmh.net. I, I know I've mentioned a few times here in terms of, uh, you know, a loved one uh, who is really concerned about, about a child, a friend, uh, someone they're in a relationship with, at whatever level, and uh, they don't know what to do. So I guess if I present that to you both, I mean, what what should a, a loved one or what can a loved one do if they have somebody who's expressed the, you know, suicidal thoughts that they said, you know, I want to kill myself or I'm having these thoughts. I think one of the most important things is knowing the signs and taking them seriously. Um, You know, it's a myth that people who want to die by suicide don't talk about it or, you know, so that when you do hear things like, I'm I'm just going to end it all, or I wish I were dead, take that seriously. And that's an amazing first step. Know that, you know, if your youth are experiencing like unexplained anger, aggression, or irritability, or maybe self-harm and real risk-taking behaviors, that may be one of the behavioral clues that they're exhibiting. So just as as we're doing today, educating yourself about those things, um, asking the question, you know, uh, you it's a myth that you're going to give someone the idea that talking about it would encourage someone to take their life. And that really is a myth. And just being open and honest about, hey, have you thought about killing yourself? Or have you thought about when you would do that? And, yeah. you know, making sure that the environment is safe. So if they're talking about dying um, by taking pills, you'd want to minimize the exposure to those things. Um, you know, listening and hearing the problem and the concern is extremely powerful. Um without judgment or telling them uh, it's hard when you're so close with a loved one to not want to wrap them up and fix it right away. Right, giving them right. that time and space to share the distress and then, um, you know, connecting them to the resources that can provide that long-term recovery and healing um, are, are the ways that we'd start. And I'm sure you'd like to add to that as well. Yeah. And so, so a, a big thing that I'm hearing too is don't be afraid to ask the question um, or bring up this issue of suicide. Uh, you're not going to put it in their head um, by putting it out there. Right. Right. Okay. Great. That's really helpful. Um, and then, you know, we're talking about the, you know, these, you know, having conversations with, um, with people who you have, have concerns with and being open about it, giving them space uh, to, to share and uh, to not be afraid to ask uh, the direct questions. What are some things that uh, people should sort of be mindful of in terms of risk factors or, or risk factors, I guess, for, for suicide that you might see somebody presenting with so that they might 
know what those might look like? I think the two words I try to remember are change and pain. Hmm. Um, so if there's a change in the way they're talking, a change in the way they're behaving or a change in um, their thought process that they're expressing, pay attention to that, lean into it and, and check it out. Um, you know, we had see something, say something uh, when 9-11 occurred because we were supposed to be on the watch for a backpack that may be unknown to us so that it didn't explode and destroy a community. We have to do that with suicide. If we suspect something, be helpfully nosy, <laughs> lean in <laughs> and check it out because we don't want that emotional backpack to explode and destroy a community or a family. Um, and so being able to recognize those, cha those changes and remember, sometimes the changes are a worsening, like you might see that irritability that Jennifer was talking about, or um, you might see more depression and isolation, but you may have someone who was already experiencing those who has now changed and seems to be at peace. Right. That doesn't mean that everything's okay. That can actually mean that they've come to terms with the decision to try and take their own life. So just any change, pay attention to that, lean in and ask about it. And then with the pain, if there's mental pain, if there's physical pain, if there's life pain, like for example, a divorce or death or an accident or the loss of a job or possible criminal um, in, in, in engagement that someone is going through a life stressor, any of that pain, ask about that because those are vulnerable, vulnerable moments that someone could be at risk. And then the other part of this, that's important to remember is the truth is we're all at risk. Um, every single one of us is at risk for having a day where our ability to cope mm -hmm. is overwhelmed by the pain and the stress that we're in. What about um, I guess if somebody has actually acted? So let's say they they've um, they've been cutting, or uh, and again, I, I myself don't know how to verbalize all that. Um, but where you're in a situation now where you have somebody who has done something actively uh, to end their life, and so. What do you do at that one? That point is it, is it just call uh, the hospital or uh, what are some of the steps for that? Yeah, if someone has acted on a suicide attempt, um, call nine one one. Nine one one can determine if the medical intervention, if an ambulance needs to come out, they can dispatch to mobile crisis. Um, they can also dispatch to 988 in terms of connecting you if you need someone to talk to. But if there's an attempt in progress, we want the fastest help, uh, medical help to come to you first. So call 911 so that you can get that medical treatment and know that they're also going to connect you to care in for help with the, the stressors that led you to that moment. Well, let's circle back now after this interesting discussion about everything, uh, just about 988 as a resource again. Uh, one of the things, uh, I know one of you mentioned was uh, being able to just text. Uh, and I just, so I know there's the dial 988, but is there a texting option to it as well? And how does that work? 
Absolutely. You can literally just put in 988 as you would any other phone number Mm -hmm. and hit send and the uh, lifeline will confirm that you're wanted to talk and agree to talk this way and it will route it to a center to start texting. It's really that simple. Fantastic. Well, I know because in today's day and age, uh, especially with younger folks, they're like, well, yeah, nobody uses the phone as a phone anymore. Exactly. <laughs> so, so knowing that texting is, is, a, is a good entry point as well is, is, great to, is great to know. And then another thing is, is confidentiality. So, which I know is a tricky thing, especially when we're talking about suicide, but um, people often ask when, they, when they're using resources like a 988 or some other helpline, you know, what's the confidentiality of it when I, when I call? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the special things about the Lifeline Network is that it is confidential and a safe place to talk. Um, you know, obviously, we're here to prevent loss of life to suicide, but it is confidential and they don't have to give us their name. We can just begin talking about what's going on for them and what they're struggling with. All right. Well, I really, thanks to both of y'all. This is incredibly informative. And I figured that why don't we just close, but um, if you, each of you are, have something to say um, as, as we close things out with this conversation. So maybe Jennifer Piver, we start with you. If there's anything that you else you wanted to share with regards to the conversation here. I would just add that there is a lot of hope with 988 in that there is a whole network of uh, agencies and individuals who are waiting to take your call, chat, or text. So if you do get into where you hear the music for a while, just please know that someone is there. They're waiting that your call will be connected. And I think that there's a lot of optimism in that to know that you're not alone. Yeah, definitely. That's great to know. And, um, and then Jennifer Butler, any, anything else you'd like to say before we close here? Yeah, I think it's important to know if we have lost an individual to, to suicide, if we are a lost survivor, you heard us today talk about things that you may be thinking back to um, the life of your loved one before they passed and thinking, did I miss something? Um, should I have done something? You know, the what have, should have, could have. And realize that we did, we do what we do because of what we know in the moment. Mm-hmm. And you may only have one, have had one piece of the puzzle of what your loved one was going through. You may not have understood or known about the resources. Or maybe the resources didn't even exist at the time when you lost your loved one. So please make sure you're taking care of yourself. There are a lot of resources in South Carolina and across our country for loss survivors. Your pain is is valid and real, and we want you to know that we are here to support you too, that there are there is hope and, and healing in your journey, and you are not alone in that healing journey. A Look Within podcast is brought to you by the South Carolina Department of Mental Health a healthcare organization providing innovative mental health and wellness services across all of South Carolina. Learn more about our services and resources at www.scdmh.net.
I'm David Diana, host and producer of A Look Within, conversations on mental health and well-being. And we want to thank Jennifer Piver and Jennifer Butler for joining us today. You may learn more about the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988lifeline.org. Or more importantly, if you need help, you may dial or text 988 at any time, day or night. We want to thank all of you for listening and hope you'll join us next time.